got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! Welcome to another episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. I'm here with my co-host, as always, Casey, and today we're looking at the Midwest and the South regions of the NCAA tournament. We're going to start talking about LSU's matchup with Iowa State and then continue down the bracket of both the Midwest and the South, and then we have some rapid-fire questions at the end. How are you doing today, Casey? I'm doing a little bit better, uh, feeling under the weather. That's why we couldn't record last night. I was having some nice Benadryl dreams at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. But uh, from what I saw of the Wyoming-Indiana game, I was glad I put a little wager on Indiana. Um, what what was your takeaway from that game last night outside of... My takeaway was it didn't matter who won that game. They're about to get slammed by St. Mary's. <laughs> that was my takeaway because that was... Truly an awful game to watch. Wyoming had played one of their worst games of the year, and somehow they were only down four points going into the last media timeout. Neither team can shoot the basketball. It was just ugly. Jeffries didn't have it going for Wyoming, unfortunately, and so it got you pretty did not. Ugly. Yeah, Ben, I don't, I don't know what it says about me that I've watched more Wyoming this year than I have Indiana. And with that being said, I was more prepared for Wyoming and and I had more analysis on Wyoming than I did Indiana. I just felt that any any coach with half a brain, which Mike Woodson definitely has, would kind of realize Wyoming's weaknesses and and they did that. Uh, so that's why I ended up betting on Indiana during the live game. However, something that I completely forgot about with Indiana um, and shame on me for this, despite being Indiana basketball, they cannot shoot. Like Indiana, if you watch Indiana, watch Indiana in the first round against the Gales, and they, they, they cannot make water if they fell out of a boat. This team can't shoot, and it's Indiana basketball. And I've, I've, you know, I've heard through the grapevine from you know other media outlets through the years that are more plugged in with Indiana, but I thought surely it's just an exaggeration. But no. It was no exaggeration at all. I, that was some of the worst shooting performances I've seen from both teams, and I'm just glad it was over. Yeah, and Xavier Johnson, the point guard transfer from Pitt at Indiana, sometimes he get it going. I don't know if you've seen him shoot. He's has 
kind of a weird cock. He does. Oh, he does have a weird. Oh, I, I noticed him. And it's it's strange. He can sometimes get it going, but other than that, man, they, they really have nobody up. But I think they'll be tested way more on the inside by St. Mary's big man Tass. But uh, we'll we'll move on from the playing game last night, and we'll start off with LSU, who I think has a pretty favorable matchup against a low scoring Iowa State team. LSU is favored by four points. This is Friday night at six twenty Central Time. An over under of one twenty seven and a half, which you might think that's low. That may not even be low enough. I'm sorry. What was that? Can you repeat that? One twenty seven and a half. Oh my god! It shouldn't. It should not be in the one twenties. Yeah, it, it might get really ugly at some points in this game. If you don't have a dog in the fight, you may not want to watch this game at all. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, it just feels like LSU has more guys that can force the ball in the bucket. I mean, when you think about Iowa State, Iowa State. It's really only Brockington who can, you know, get the 20 points in a game for them. Yeah, I mean, they, they have the point guard, Tyrese Hunter, who's not bad, but they're no, they LSU needs to win this game. I, I don't I don't really care about the external stuff happening in the program right now. You you have to come together and win this game. This is this is a gift of a uh, 11 seed matchup for you when yeah. you consider some of the other teams that they could have drawn. Yeah. All the other 11 seeds, I would not want to play over this Iowa state team. And then also looking at the next game, I think they also pulled the weakest three seed. So um, I think, they yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think they uh, are extremely favorable. Yeah. We're talking about the other three seeds. We're talking about Purdue, Tennessee and Texas tech who, yeah, all at one point of the season or even going to the selection. So probably should have been two seeds and Wisconsin, you know, never had really reached that point of the season. They they did share the regular season Big Ten title, you know, but the the tournament game, Johnny Davis got hurt. So so we're looking for him to come back healthy and that he's just the horse they've been riding all season. They really don't have much else consistently that's providing them points. You know, Brad Davidson's a Super senior provides some good shooting. They have some lanky guys down low who, you know, don't really like to bang. A couple of them can step out and shoot, but you know they have Chucky Hepburn, who, who's a bigger guard. But it's really Johnny Davis or Bust, and they kind of create off of him and the attention that he creates. So um, I just think LSU has a favorable draw. I think these are two games they can win. Yeah, this is this is probably the best draw they've gotten. Uh, I mean, they the draw where they went to Michigan State and then they got their heads bashed in that was a pretty favorable draw. I think it was. I think it was the three-two matchup. Yeah, I think I, I think that was a three-two matchup. They had Yale. I want to say and they with, got Maryland. Yeah, they got yeah. Yale and then they got Mar- a talented Yale team. So like Yale actually pushed that game, and I wasn't surprised by that. And then and then, then Tremont had the buzzer Maryland. beater. <laughs> Yeah, so that wasn't a bad draw either, but that Michigan State team was extremely senior-laden, just very experienced, and you know none of those LSU guys had really been there before. I think this Wisconsin team is a little different. I think they do have some chinks in the armor, some things they struggle with at times. They've had some bad performances this year, so I wouldn't be surprised if LSU caught them off guard. Yeah, I, I, this, is the, um, this is the third tournament in the uh... – whatever era you want to call this third NCAA tournament in the Will Wade kind of sort of era. Um, and we've had Will Wade coach for two tournament games yeah. in, in that three years. Um, we, we obviously 
you know, we had the tournament suspended uh, in 2020, but making it in 19, 21, and 22, and getting your head coach to to coach in two of those games, uh, not great. So on, on that side, we, we really don't know what to expect from LSU um, offensively or like coaching adjustments. I I would hope it's kind of the same. I don't know how anyone can watch this LSU team and really not come to the same conclusion, which I know um, Nickelberry was doing the whole year. So, yeah, I assume it would be most some of the same moves. I I expect Tari and Gaines to come off the bench like they usually do. I expect this. That would be pretty funny scheme. if he just if he just starts Tari. <laughs> it would be, but um, <laughs> I'm sure he's leaning really, really hard on, on Darius and X right now to you know kind of coach the team on the floor as they go along. So I'm I'm not too worried about it, honestly. I agree. Well, let's go back to the top of the bracket here. We have Kansas against LSU's former coach before Will Wade, uh, Johnny Jones and the Texas Southern Tigers. Um, yeah, the Kansas Jayhawks are favored by 22.5 points with an over-under of 144.5. Texas Southern looked really good the other night against uh, A&M Corpus Christi. But this is a major step up in competition. I mean, th- this Kansas team has a lot of upperclassmen, a potential player of the year nominee in Igbaji, some really good guard play, a guy down low in McCormick that, you know, Texas Southern really isn't equipped to handle. So, uh, I mean, this is going to get ugly. I think Texas Southern is not really one of those lower class teams who are in high scoring games often they really rely on their defense and their defense is not going to hold up in this game. So I would honestly take Kansas with the spread with 22 and a half. Yeah, I would definitely lay them in this game. Um, This is, this is just a little bit too high of a step up in competition for Texas Southern to really be in this game. Moving down to, San Diego State Aztecs and the Creighton Blue Jays. And um, I'm sorry if we have any Creighton fans listening to the podcast right now. We appreciate the support, but we're about to not talk about Creighton at all. So, Ben, let's let's hear what the spreads are and start gushing about San Diego State. San Diego State's down to a two-point favorite now with an over-under of 121, which is a pretty classic number for a San Diego State game, the defense they play. You know, the one thing I will say about Creighton is – their level of play has dipped since their starting point guard went down in that part, but they did make it to the conference tournament final. They played pretty good basketball going into the tournament. So, um, you know, maybe they've trying to figure out how to work around their point guard being missed, but if they're going to feel it in a, in a game, they're going to feel it in this game against the superior San Diego state defense. I mean, it's one of the best defenses in the country I've watched all year. Mensa down low is a shot blocking machine. He's he's not going to let their big guys attack the rim at all. And uh, I think San Diego State also has the best player in this game, Matt Bradley. And uh, I see them handling and winning this game and, and really holding Creighton down offensively. Yeah, and, and the thing I will say about Creighton this year, they're actually a defensive team. And in years past, if you know anything about Creighton, it's that they're going to score the ball and shoot a lot of threes, dating back to when uh, Doug McDermott coached his coached his son. Um, I'm sorry, Greg McDermott coached his son, Doug McDermott. I mean, that's that's what they did. They just chucked threes. 
before this season, Ben, the highest that Creighton had been in the Doug McDermott in the Greg McDermott era of coaching was 32nd on adjusted Ken Palm. Now they're 17th with a 92.1 adjusted efficiency. I mean, I would I would just take the under in this game. And you didn't include the money line. The money line's minus 134. I would I would parlay uh, San Diego State on the money line with the under. This game's gonna be a muck fest. It's gonna be disgusting. If it reaches 100 points, I'm gonna be surprised. I'm not even lying. Um, you, you could be looking at like a, a, a 53, 46 kind of game, a, a, you know, a 52, 50 game. It's going to be gross folks. Um, take the under and probably take San Diego state on the money line. We love this Aztecs team. I will say, I mentioned Mensa earlier as the big man down low for San Diego state. who's really good at protecting the rim and clearing the boards. Well, Creighton also has a, a great guy who's doing that himself and Ryan Clockburner this season. I think he's towards the top of the nation in block percentage. So he, he's doing a great job protecting the rim as well. So I really think that's the battle to watch in this game, which which big guys gets more leverage, gets more rebounds and protects the rim better, I think is going to end up winning this game because every single layups can be crucial. Yeah. Clockburner uh, is uh, 7-1. So um Definitely a lot of size inside for San Diego State to go against. Moving down the bracket, we have Iowa, the five seed, facing the Richmond Spiders, winner of the Atlantic 10 as the 12 seed. And what's the spread, money line, and over under for the game, Ben? Iowa's minus 10 and a half, minus 600 on the money line, and the over under is 150, which I think is a number that makes a lot of sense the way Iowa plays. Very fast paced, very efficient in the offense, and not the best defense in the world. And this Richmond team can really shoot the ball. You know, that that's how they got through their conference tournament, was shooting the ball really well from the outside. We, we know they have those super seniors with their uh, center and Grant. I forget his last name. Grant Golden. Grant Golden. And then so, Jacob Gilliard. The they have guys guard. who've been there. Yeah, Jacob Gilliard was just on a shooting tear in the conference tournament, and that's that's really how they got here. And um, I I just don't see enough defensively out of this Richmond team to hold Iowa to under 75, 80 yeah. points. Yeah, G- Gilliard's only 5'9". Um, you know, he shot 36% from the three this year on 247 threes. Uh, the problem is you're going against Iowa, who's just going to – you know, I don't want to say find him on defense because it's not the NBA and, and people don't do that as much, but it's kind of hard not to find someone when everyone's bigger than him and you can just post him up and, you know, in transition, like that, that's the last man a lot of times on your two on one, three on one fast breaks. So I expect Iowa to get out and run. And if they're making threes, I, I think this game could kind of get ugly and I would, I would lay them. I would also definitely include. Iowa on uh, any money line parlay just as a little odds booster minus 600 is not high enough to where it's too risky and not worth it and um, it's kind of in that sweet spot so I'll be looking at Iowa pretty much every which way in this game yeah and I've already bet the over in this game I think you're right I, I don't think Iowa has much trouble on offense but I think Richmond the way they're shooting the basketball right now and Jacob Gilliard specifically are going to score points in this game. I think Iowa probably gets over 80 and Richmond probably gets over 70 and you're looking, you're looking at over 150. 
to the next game, we have Providence against South Dakota State. Um, the game that everyone in your office, everyone in your class, um, everyone at the YMCA that you're going to the gym, everyone's tell- coming up to you and is like, hey, you got any upsets in your bracket? And if they say yes, I promise you, this is one of the first ones out of their mouth. Um, the Jackrabbits team is only uh, two-point dogs, I believe. Yeah, it's Providence minus two with the money line of minus 137 and an over-under of 147 and a half. Um, I'll let you take it first. I, you you have some strong thoughts on this game. Yeah, I almost think this game has been, been overcorrected. I know South Dakota State is an extremely good basketball team. I mean, we've watched them all season. They really have never let up in conference play, but they're really suited to play the kind of basketball that's being played in the Summit League. And Providence is just not going to play that game with them. You know, they're going to slow it down. They're going to get it inside the Nate Watson, who I'm not sure South Dakota State has an answer for defensively. And I, I do think this game is going to be very close, though. But South Dakota State's been blowing everyone out. They really haven't played that many close games, with the exception of, of an Oral Roberts game, I remember, going into overtime. But Providence has been on, in so many close games this year. I just have to trust them and Jared Bynum and Nate Watson, you know, towards the end of an extremely close game. They've been labeled as lucky, but if you keep coming out of close games as winners, at some point that creates a DNA of of clutchness at at the end of these games and a DNA of winning and always thinking you're going to come out on top. So I just think the combination of that and then the combination of Nate Watson inside and Ed Cooley being a great coach, I think Providence is going to pull this game out. Ben, do you know who Tanner Christensen is? I do not. You shouldn't know who Tanner Christensen is because you'd be uh, you'd be a complete nut or sicko. Uh, Tanner Christensen is a freshman center for Idaho, and he had 14 points against South Dakota State. Uh, Idaho went nine and 22 this year, but you know one of those nine wins who, who that was against? It was against South Dakota, South Dakota State. And Tanner Christensen had a nice 14-point game. Now, he didn't rebound very well, but still, 19 points is 19 points. And I, I, I say that to say I, I kind of agree with you. I, I, I am a little bit worried about the matchup down low, but I'm extremely worried about just the complete and utter overcorrection that has happened. I, I don't think they should only be two points dogs like that is that is that's pretty insane for them to only be a two-point dog um as a 13 seed like i get it providence is extremely lucky i mean it's been it's been covered at this point agnosium like everyone knows it now but i'm just not i'm not sure like the self the, the south dakota state's team's very good don't get me wrong but they're they're extremely flawed, and I think I think Providence has a, has a chance to take advantage of that flaw. Um, and like when you look at you look at all the games that South Dakota State played against like big level competition, 
you know, they lost Alabama by, by 16. I know that game was closer than it looked. They lost to Washington by 11, uh, and, and they lost to Missouri State. They did beat Bradley, so, you know, against the Missouri Valley, they went one and one. Uh, they beat Washington State, but it's like... None of those teams are as good as Providence. Exactly, none, none of those teams, teams are... as well-coached like, or as big as Providence. So, I, I'll probably... I'll, Maybe I'll have South Dakota State in, in like my pool, um, which everyone should should join the pool. That's on at on the line NCA for details. Um, like the message, and I'll I'll reach out to you and, and get you involved in it, and um, you know tell you about the rules and, and get your picks in. But yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Providence at least for at least just for this game. Um, I'm not gonna bet it. I am probably gonna take the over though. I don't yeah. feel good about it. Okay. I don't feel good about. I don't feel good about this game. No, I think it's gonna be a close game, but but that's why I favor kind of the better coach and the more. This is gonna be a Casey live bet game. game. Probably. Okay, so we'll move on to the next game, which is Wisconsin. And by the way, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt you or anything, but this game is uh, on at ten forty, Mountain Time tomorrow. Um, the Iowa game's on at second game to kick off of the day. Yeah, Iowa Iowa Richmond's on at at one ten Mountain Time, um, and Creighton San Diego State's on at five twenty seven Mountain Time, and at seven fifty seven Mountain Time we have Texas Southern and Kansas. Just to recap the times, LSU plays Friday at five twenty. I believe you mentioned that though. But anyways, back to the Midwest. Yeah, the game that will be played after the LSU game Friday night is going to be Wisconsin and Colgate. The Badgers are an eight-point eight point favorite with a money line of minus 350 and an over-under of 139. You know, this is a really interesting game. I think this is a clash of two different playing styles, a team that really likes to share the ball in Colgate and get open jump shots, a, a team that kind of likes to put the ball in Johnny Davis's hands and, and let him create for everyone else and score for himself. So... You know, it's, it's an interesting game. Colgate's play, played two notable Power 5 teams in St. John's at Syracuse, which went completely different ways. You know, they beat Syracuse by 15 while scoring 100-something points at Syracuse. Then they lost to St. John's by almost 20 points uh, at Madison Square Garden. The other notable game they played this year was at Vermont, which we all know is a very good team, and they lost by 10 at Vermont, but... I don't know. It's just a very interesting game. This No one's really talking about this game as an upset. And I think Colgate really has the potential to hang with them. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they don't they don't know about this Colgate team. And they're probably going to look at last year's game against Arkansas and see that score and say, oh, well, when Colgate gets matched up against real competition, you know, they, they kind of get exposed. This Colgate team is to not be taken lightly. Um, I think they're as good as any of those small conference teams in this tournament. And I would not be surprised if they covered. And to tell you the truth, Ben, I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright. That's a, that's as far as I'll go with it. I wouldn't either. And all three of their guards who played in that game last year back as seniors led by Nellie Cummings, who's a exceptional guard, exceptional shooter. Uh, I don't know. This just has the makings of an upset, I think a Wisconsin team who kind of limped into the, into the tournament after that big win at home against Purdue to wrap up the regular season, you know, did not come out 
and play great in the conference tournament and a, a team that kind of relies on one player to create offense for them. So I agree. I like Colgate plus the spread and you never know what could happen. Yeah, I'd, I would take Colgate on the, on the spread here and I'd, I'd sprinkle him on the money line too. Sue me. Moving yes. on to so the next game. We have Miami and USC. Yep. And um, I mean, you know, huge game here in Coral Gables, big time Orange Bowl appearance. You know, um, I just, I mean, Pete Carroll against Butch Davis. What, what more can you want? Oh, oh, we're talking basketball. Um, I, I can't believe these two teams are matched up in the NCAA tournament. It is kind of insane. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this the other night. I wish, I wish that Miami and San Francisco could switch or Murray State and USC could switch. Um, because I just, I, I don't, I don't like how, uh, I, I, I really don't like that. This is the matchup here. And, um, I like Miami to upset them as a 10 seed. I know Miami's only one and a half point dogs. Um, and they're plus one Oh two on the money line. USC's minus minus one twenty two on the money line. And we have an over under of one thirty nine and a half. This game's going to be at Friday, one ten mountain time. I yeah, I, I just like Miami. I think I think Jim Larinago is a really good coach. I think Andy Enfield's kind of a fraud. So give me Miami. Uh, this is the only game I've really looked at in the first round where I'm just not sure how this game is going to. Oh, play I'm not out. touching it. I'm not touching it. Make no mistakes. I'm just I'm just speaking confidently. I think. Uh, well, I know that USC has better premier talent. In Isaiah Mobley, but I don't know, man. I just don't know how these teams really match up. This this is the only one I've really looked at where I can't imagine these two teams on a, on the court playing together and what that game looks like. I it's a and I think the total reflects that. You know, kind of a mid level total. They're not really sure either whether this turns into a USC defensive battle or if Miami really opens up this game and USC runs with them. It's just a strange game. I, I think it really comes down to Isaiah Mobley. If he can, you know, dominate this game inside on offense and defense and keep this a low-scoring game, then obviously USC is going to win. But if Miami can really open up this game and, and get both teams running up and down the court, I like their guards a lot better, especially Isaiah Wong. And um, I don't know, man. I would probably take USC just because they're better defensively and they have had battles – this year with you know UCLA where they've kind of hung in there. I don't know. I I don't really like either of these teams either to go far. So I don't think they're gonna go past the next round. That's fair. On to Auburn Jacksonville State. Auburn's a 15 and a half point favorite. This game's on Friday, 1040 a.m. mountain time and the over under is 138 and a half Initial thoughts on the game, Ben. What do you think? I like Jacksonville State. I, I think they play a very physical brand of basketball. I'm just not sure if this is the best matchup for them in Auburn. But I will say, Auburn has not looked great the last three weeks to a month. So Some really weird scoring outputs. You know, 61 in a game against AM, 62 in a game before it went to overtime against Mississippi State, who... You know, neither team is regarded as an elite defensive team. I know AM really ratcheted it up in the conference tournament, but 
just just some weird offensive outputs. They they don't seem to run it through Jabari Smith for some reason. They let Katie Johnson shoot 15 times in the last game and not make any of them. He only shot 15? Yeah. That's an improvement, I feel like. Maybe 16. Good for him. I was 16. They like to give it to Wendell Green at the end of the game to win the game, which is you know that's what when I watch Arvin play basketball, Ben, and I'm just like, when in doubt, give the ball to Wendell Green. Who is this guy? Is a top three pick, taking all the shots. Give the ball to Wendell Green. If you were making the case on how Arvin loses this game, what I would tell you is. Most of the times with these 15, 14 seed matchups where the, the, you know, the smaller seed wins, you have to have one of two things has to happen. You have to be playing a uh, Villanova or a Virginia or a Providence, a team without a big guy inside. And if you are playing a team like Auburn, who has two massive guys inside and Javari Smith and Walker Kessler, you need someone who's going to be able to bang inside. And Jacksonville State has that with Brandon Huffman. Huffman is out of Goldsboro, North Carolina. He's 6'10", and he went to North Carolina for a few years. Never really got any run, decided to transfer to Jacksonville State. And he's been he's been a key, key X factor for this, for this Jacksonville State team. And to me, to me they, they have enough scoring with Darian Adams. They have enough three-point shooting with Jalen Gibbs and Damari King. You know, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I, I would, I would take Jacksonville state maybe on the, on the spread. Um, they're 10th they're and three point shooting in the country. They're not really going to drive a lot inside and try to test Walker Kessler. They're really just going to look to make it rain. They play enough defense, not amazing defensively, but they, they, they do enough. And, and yeah, I mean, they're going to keep this game a lot closer th- than you think. Um, they only lost to, they played at Alabama, only lost by six. Yeah, they played I'm just really saying, well I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, I would take Jacksonville State on the spread. Absolutely. It's 15 and a half. I do think Auburn is going to be okay as long as Kessler stays out of foul trouble. I know they have Hoffman, but I, I mean, we've seen Walker Kessler score on. A lot, of, a lot of people down low and still block everybody, no matter who they are. So I think if they stay out of foul trouble, if he stays out of foul trouble, they'll be okay. As long as Green and um, Jasper and Katie Johnson don't get shot happy and just start shooting a lot of threes and wild shots down the lane, I mean, they should be fine, but they've had trouble with those guys getting like that this year. So... Like I said, I think if Kessler's in the game for his usual minutes, I think they will find a way out of this game and they'll be fine. But Jacksonville State's a well-coached team. They're not going to uh, fold easy. 100% agree. Well, moving forward in the bracket, um, is this Kansas's bracket to win? Do we do we foresee you know, maybe our LSU Tigers going on a miracle run to redeem their head coach, their fallen brother, Will Wade? What you know, long term, what are we looking I, at? I think this is probably the most open bracket. I feel like you could make a case for like four or five teams to to win this bracket. I have Iowa winning this bracket. I think they have a they have a nice path here. 
I so you're like not the worried way they came that, into the tournament. You're not worried about that old Fran McCaffrey hasn't, you know, made it past no, the second round. Fran ever. McCaffrey's never had a player like Keegan Murray. I agree. Um, you can get Iowa plus four twenty to win the this region. Auburn's plus two fifty. Kansas plus two hundred. Wisconsin's plus eleven hundred, and LSU's plus fourteen hundred. I just think if, if you want to take a shot on one of these, I think this is probably the most wide open. I could even see a team like San Diego State making a run. Wisconsin, if, if they start playing better, they have the talent. And then obviously Auburn, I just think this is probably the most wide open one. And I don't really see any team taking control of this. I think Kansas has a really weird run. I, I think we both agree they're probably going to play San Diego State. And then if they win that game, they're probably going to play Iowa. And that's just two completely different games they're going to have to play back-to-back kind of worried about that for them even though they do have the best talent yeah it's like uh, it's like going from playing an I, I like air Iowa. to playing an option team the next week you know yeah or vice versa. I, it's, that's not going to be easy we're talking about how not easy it would be for Gonzaga to play all these defensive teams this might not, this might even be harder back-to-back games you will have a full week to uh prepare but um I like also Iowa. i you know we were talking about the overcorrection of providence and I mean, it's it's pointed out right here. Providence has the tenth best odds to win the region at plus thirty nine hundred. San Diego State's an eight seed; they have plus twenty five hundred. Creighton's a nine seed; they have plus thirty two hundred. Miami of Florida's a ten seed; they have plus thirty two hundred. The Friars are not getting any respect, and it, it just—it's a little worrying. It's a little worrying. I, I might still take South Dakota State. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they – it's just a little worrying. That's all we're saying. You want to go up? I agree. All right, I guess I guess down south, but we're going up in the bracket um, to to the south region where we have Arizona who, um, you know, we can pretty much reasonably assume now they'll be taking on Wright State as that game's just about to go final with Wright State being victorious. Uh, right off the bat – I don't even know what the number is because they probably haven't even updated it yet. Take the over, whatever. Just take the over. Take the over. Yeah, against teams that are not, you know, of the caliber of Arizona, they really get to run on them. They're, they're forwards in Larson and Tibulus. They're just a lot of players. A lot of teams in the country just don't have players that can match their size and speed. And they when they get downhill, it's it's too easy. Um, I, I think the one thing to monitor in this first game with Arizona is does Kirk Crease play? If he plays, what does he look like? No, 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 he no. A, Kirk Crease is he, not he playing. A, <laughs> he's already been ruled I out. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna play. He's already, oh, been, he's ruled already out. been ruled out for the yeah, first. Yeah, he's already game. been ruled out. I, I think he's already okay. been ruled out first weekend altogether. Okay. Well, you know that that makes the second round game a little more interesting. We have a Seton Hall and TCU teams who kind of bring different things to the table. Seton Hall with with premier defense, and then TCU we talked about with Mike Miles and company. So if they're not going to have them for that second round game, I do think that the rest of the teams have to play really well. But we saw them play without Creza for that uh, Pac-12 title game against UCLA, and uh, man, they really just had guys step up. Dalen oh, Terry has to be the just, best backup wanted- point guard in America. I mean, he has to be the best backup point guard in America. I think I can't Dude, think of anybody if, better than you. If if you have a backup point guard who's six seven, two hundred pounds, that's it's pretty damn good. 
that's a that's a nice luxury to have yeah uh, exactly and you know i mean i I think i don't think they're gonna miss a beat dude i really don't they're gonna they're gonna drum these boys they played they played really well in the title game against yeah they played really well in the title game against against ucla and ucla really pushed them and they got it out in the end i'm just telling you i really think the difference is this arizona team you know they have great guards and a great center in coloco who can do everything the two forwards in Larson and Tibulus are just hell to deal with. They are so fast running up and down the court. They're both 6'8", six, 6'9", six, are really tough on the inside, can finish at the rim. And there's just not a lot of teams in the country that can contend with that. And they platoon them, so there's always one of them out there, sometimes both of them. Uh, I just love that uh, that side of that team. Yeah, right, right State's only 99th in adjusted tempo, which is, is still a pretty pretty fast pace. For comparison, Iowa's 53rd, um, Arkansas's 28th, and Alabama's 11th to kind of give you some idea of like how fast teams play. Um, Arizona's 8th, and you know it's, it's going to be one thing if you're a small team and you're playing against Arizona because you're going to get drummed because um, they're just bigger, stronger, faster, and better than you. I mean, just go look at some of the – North Dakota State's a very good team. They played North Dakota State. They beat them 97-45. Um, they played Wyoming they, and slapped them around. Yeah, like like they don't they don't mess around with these teams that are a little bit undersized. Um, even the teams of their own conference in the Pac-12. <laughs> so I would I would lay them whatever whatever it is with Arizona, and I'd bet the over too because this, this is going to be it's going to be a drumming and i would definitely take first half arizona spread and first half I would uh, too. you know team total over get get it however you can get it really on to a great eight nine matchup with tcu seton hall what are the odds for this one this is pretty much toss up i mean they have a spread of 0.5 so not really a spread tcu is minus 111 and seton hall is minus 110 so that's about as big of a toss-up that you can get with the over-under of 129 and a half. Like I mentioned earlier, these teams play really differently. Seton Hall is just an incredible defensive team. They do struggle on the offensive end occasionally, but they have some guys who can get hot shooting the basketball and scoring on the inside. And then TCU is just going to have the better point guard in this game and Mike Miles. Uh, it's just a really interesting game, Casey. How do you think this thing's going to play out? I love TCU. You, you know this about me. I love TCU, um, and I don't really respect the Big East. So I, I'm going to take TCU on the money line here. I, I am a little bit worried about the Mike Miles effect in terms of the fact that occasionally he just disappears for, for stretches of the game. A yeah, little, little troubling at times, but I, I like him enough. And give me, give me the Horned Frogs on the money line, minus 111. I like them too, but you know, if this game turns out to be a rock fight, you're going to have to favor Seton Hall, especially because TCU really struggles to shoot the ball from the outside. Sometimes they can get really cold and that's the way Seton Hall wants to play. Seton Hall wants this game to be in the fifties and sixties. And uh, you know, if it turns out like that, I think it's really going to be a Seton Hall kind of game, but I'll take CCU as well for right now. I just think they have the better point guard and, that wins a lot of game in March. I think, uh, I think TCU doesn't mind, you know, 
they don't mind that. No, it's... I don't mind either, but that's the only way Seton Hall is going to win as well. Yeah. So. yeah. Is Bryce Aiken playing for Seton Hall? I've heard mixed things. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not All sure. Right. He did not play in the conference tournament, I don't believe. Yeah, I, I think I think he's he's out. So, I, yeah, I, I like TCU. And for me, it, it really just comes down to – it really just comes down to Mike Miles at the end of this game. It's going to be a close game, and Miles is going to do just enough to to propel, propel the Horn Frogs to victory. Moving on, yes, yeah, so our next game is going to be Houston and UAB, which I think is another trendy underdog upset pick. This game is going to be Friday at eight twenty Central Time. Houston's an eight and a half point favorite with a money line of minus four hundred. And over under 135 and a half. I have to say, I, I think I'm jumping on the, the public bandwagon with this. I do like UAB in this game. You know, whenever you're talking about these mid-conference teams, you're talking about guys who, you know, might not have all the experience in the world, um, you know, have really thrived in their conference, but not much out of it. But this UAB team is completely different. They have players and coaches that have been around the block, have been in Power 5 programs, have played against in practice and in games. These kind of guys that they're going to be playing in Houston. And I like this UAB team, man. I think they have the best offensive player in the game in Jordan Walker. And uh, I think they have a really good coach who's coached them well all year. They, they struggled at times, but in the conference tournament, they really came through, especially in the last two games, both really close games. So I like the Blazers. Not so fast, my friend. Um, Houston, they, um, they're they like Providence to a degree because you just say, oh, they're going to lose this game. They're going to lose that game. You know, I, I, I think – I think we, we kind of did the same thing we did with Providence last year, and then Houston made it to the Final Four. I – you know, when I look at Houston's schedule, who they played, they played Texas State at home. They beat them 80 to six, 80 to 47. They played UL. They beat them by 16 points. They played Bryant. They almost beat Bryant by 70. They played Butler. They beat Butler by 18. They beat Rice by 34. They, you know, Hofstra was a close game, but that was first game of the year. To me, every time they've played teams at that level of competition and and really that level of size, they've they've kind of abused them. And ultimately, their their defense is just too good for 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 Jabari Walker, as good as he is. Uh, I'm sorry for Jordan Walker, um, as good as he is. I, I just I I think it's gonna be a little too much for him defensively to handle. And I like the Cougars in this game. You see, I think the one thing you're missing, though, is Marcus Sasser was playing in almost every single one of those games you've mentioned. And I know, I know, but he's by far their, their best offensive player. And I think if UAB gets hot shooting, Houston can really get in trouble. Uh, you know, they, they don't want this game to be up in the in the seven mid to high 70s. And I think that it's going to be an extremely slow game. Yeah, I think that UAB can shoot a little bit better from the outside, honestly. 
And if Trey Jimison can stay out of foul trouble, I think he's going to be the real key because the next guy they go to is KJ Buffin, who's just not the same inside presence offensively and defensively. Trey Jimison has played 30, 32, 34 minutes in this game. And, uh, but I think he's enough of an inside presence to create problems for Houston. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just, we'll have to just agree, agree to disagree here. Uh, Houston has not played a team, you know, as high three point shooting wise as UAB. They're, they're seventh in the country. So I could definitely see them struggling to stop them from the three point line. And, you know, I mean, if Jordan Walker gets hot, it, anything can happen. I just think they're going to blitz them on every single ball screen imaginable and they're not going to give them any chance. All right. Well, the next game in this bracket is going to be Illinois and Chattanooga. Chattanooga, the winners I love, of the I love the mocks. this year. The mocks. Illinois is favored by seven and a half with a money line of three fifteen and an over under for one thirty five and a half. You, you, you like can the mocks, snag. Casey. Yeah, you can snag Chattanooga at a plus two fifty money line. Um, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, and the reason I'm not going to do that is it's it's just going to be too much Kofi inside. And I, I know they have Sylvia D'Souza, who's who's played big-time college basketball, and he's he's not afraid to get physical. We we know that about Sylvia D'Souza. Not afraid to get physical at all. Not afraid to get violent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he will pick up objects that can be used as a weapon and lift them over his head. He won't do anything with them, but he'll lift them over his head. I love this Mox team. It's just I don't like the matchup. And and to me, I feel the same way about them. I, I feel about Vermont, where I I would almost rather them play someone else. But I do want to ask you a quick quick side question on this though. If do you think if Chattanooga or Vermont was playing Providence, we'd we'd kind of have the same worry over them with 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 uh we do with South Dakota State. It was Vermont, yes. I think it was Shaganuga, not, not as much, but you don't think of the S trendy? It's just the no, I think it's the pure fact that South Dakota State is such an offensive juggernaut yeah. that people are are really favoring them. I mean, with good reason they are, and I think Vermont would kind of be the same way. Which also, for good reason, incredibly offensive, efficient, offensive efficiency-led team. Chattanooga is a little bit different, you know. Not Chattanooga is a little scoring. bit better balanced, I think. Yeah, they are definitely better balanced, and they're probably a better team than maybe both of the teams. The other more teams athletic. Talking they're about. definitely more athletic, and they're longer too. Yeah, they can win games other ways. Um. Uh, I think I think I like Illinois too. I think the first game they come out strong. You know this Illinois team in the last couple of tournaments has looking shaky, but not. This might be a game. First game. This might be a game, Ben. Where I might I might take a sprinkle on Chattanooga at plus two fifty, or even try to live bet them for better odds. But I might take Illinois in a uh, money line parlay with Iowa or potentially just take Illinois in the spread. Because I, I could see Chattanooga winning this game outright or getting blown out. Me too. Uh, you know, it's kind of really up to if Illinois shooters are, are going, if Plummer and Trent Frazier are really on. 
could get hectic. I will say the other thing I like about this Illinois team is it really just hasn't been left to Kofi on the inside. Colvin Hawkins has done a really good job. And then whenever he was out, they really had to rely on um, Bozeman Verdonks, who, you know, hasn't played recently, but when he did play during the season, played well. So if they need him on the inside as well, he can play. So I think they just have a lot of size and that they're going to probably get past this game. Absolutely. I would not fool with the spread, though. Yeah, well, speaking speaking of games where maybe I'm not going to fool around with, horrible matchup for our Colorado State Rams. The sixth seed, I was a little surprised about them being a sixth seed over Boise State. It really just shows how the committee really values that head-to-head and also some other different metrics, despite Boise winning the Mountain West regular season in the tournament. But they're going against Michigan, and Michigan's the 11th seed. You know, in my opinion, probably shouldn't even have been in the tournament, but here they are as an 11 seed. And the reason we fear that it's such a bad matchup is really Hunter Dickinson inside and Colorado State's lack of size inside. Uh, and that's going to create a really interesting matchup in this game. Ben, what are the spreads and the money line and the over-under? The spread is actually flipped because of the news of Durante Jones not playing for Michigan. Um. I don't really think that affects the game that much, to be honest. I, I don't think this game's going to come down to guard play. It's going to come down to, does Michigan feed Hunter Dickinson effectively? Does he make good passes out of doubles? And does he score whenever they don't double him? And, and like you said, um, I, I don't like this matchup at all for Colorado State. I still like Michigan in this game. I do think they have guys that can throw. I like if they throw Brandon Johns on David Roddy. I think that's a pretty good defensive matchup for David Roddy. He's still going to get his. He's still going to get his 20, 22, 24, 26 points. And, uh, but I wouldn't be too worried about that. If I were Michigan, I would just focus on pounding the inside and not letting um, Isaiah Stevens or anybody else get going. I like Michigan in this game. I really do. Did you see, I, I believe I sent it to you, the news about Colorado State's traveling? Yeah, I saw that as well. They're getting in today, right? Yeah, I, I think I think that's the most worrying aspect of, of all this. And uh, if you don't know, Colorado State had some interesting travel arrangements, whereas every other team, you know, they, they, they got – they got you know either chartered buses or they were able to get ch- chartered flights out out to their destination by the NCA, but the NCA kind of just left Colorado State high and dry. Um, on Tuesday, they still had not been told by the NCA where you know where they were going to be, and and that was Tuesday as of ten o'clock. Um, so. I, they're scheduled to play Thursday and they're going to be the first game. They're going to be tipping off at 1215 Eastern time. I don't like that. They're going to get in as late as they are. Um, I, I hope they got in today and, and they're going to be able to do shoot around um, maybe at some point, but who knows? I have a question for you about this game. Do you think Colorado state goes small? That's my first question. No, I, I don't. Okay. I see no advantage to him going small. I and leaving Roddy down low with Dickinson. I don't think that's gonna be a good idea. I think he's gonna pick up fouls, 
and he really just needs to focus on offense. He's going to have to pace them offensively in this game. Okay, because my counterpoint to that would have been that Roddy on the on the offensive end kind of gets to abuse Dickinson. But what I think would happen, and if Jawan Howard's a smart coach, what he would actually do is he would have Dickinson guard one of the guards that's that that's just camped out in the corner when they go. Yeah, it doesn't handle the ball that much. Exactly, and, and you know that would kind of worry me. I don't. I, I hate this matchup for Colorado State. I really do. So I, I got to take Michigan. I hate it. I agree. Well, on All to right, the we'll second game the in game. the pod. We got Tennessee against one of your favorite teams, the Longwood Lancers, out of the Big South champions after defeating Winthrop and absolutely slaughtering them. I had the spread in this game as 18 and a half, and the over-under is 132. Initial thoughts are this, Ben. That's too many dang gun points for our Lancers. That's too many points for our Lancers. That's my thought. What's yours? I don't know, man. This Tennessee team has been on a roll for about a month, a month and a half now. On both sides of the floor, you know, early in the season, they really didn't get the offense going. They hadn't really figured out their new style of play, but it seems like lately they've really put together. I would be wary of taking the 18 and a half, just the way that they have been playing lately. And you know that they're always going to lock up defensively. So, um, yeah, I actually kind of like Tennessee to cover this spread, to be honest. I just think they're on a roll. And uh, I think it's going to keep going. And they don't really have anybody who can stay in front of these guards. Yeah, that would that would be my worry, is that they are too much on a roll. And my second part of that ro- worry would be um, Longwood just can't really defend that well. And... You know when they've played elite I think they're competition. Get a lot of open three pointers. Yeah, I, I think I think Tennessee's going to get a lot of open threes. So all right, so moving on to the seven ten matchup, which is Little Chicago Ohio State. I think this is going to be one of the most fun games. Lucas Williamson and EJ Liddell going at it should be close. Should be chippy down low, very physical. Um, Ohio State is a slight favorite at minus one hundred eight on the money line, while Little Chicago is minus one eleven. An over-under of 132.5. I kind of like the under in this game. I I love the under. Um, I think Drew Valentine's – he's picked up where Loyola – where Jesus Christ, no. I almost said Loyola Porter. Um, It's one of our friends almost has that name, so I think that's why I said it. Uh, Porter Moser. He's picked up where Porter Moser is left off from last year, right? Uh, If you don't know about Loyola Chicago, their defensive strategy, they play a no middle defensive strategy. Um, What that means is you don't help middle um, and you just you force everyone. You force everyone to the baseline, essentially, and like you don't you don't have baseline and you basically try to get everyone in the middle. And like that's, you know, you just defend the middle like you you do not let them if they want to drive baseline to baseline, let them like you don't you don't worry about that. Like they don't cut off the baseline. It's strictly no middle and very limited help defense as well. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how that works against this Ohio State team. I know Ohio State had the, had the key industry injury to key, no pun intended. Um, but I, I will say the little Chicago has not seen someone quite as dominant as EJ Liddell on the inside. I know they played Auburn, but 
it's it's a different kind of dominance with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Yeah, those are two different kind of players. This EJ Liddell is very stocky, but also has good footwork down low. Also can step out and hit some fadeaway mid-range jumpers, but really likes to just stuff it down your throat to the rim. So it'll be a fun game. Um, I, I'm going to lean low Chicago in this game. What do you think? I'm also going to lean Loyola Chicago. I'm probably going to take them in some pools. I'll probably bet them on the money line as well. And to tell you the truth, Ben, maybe maybe I got Loyola Chicago winning in the next game against Villanova. I agree. So so Villanova's first game is going to be against Delaware. The Blue Hens went on a great run through their conference tournament to pull it out as the fourth or fifth favorite. Um a team that will make you feel 100 years old because they have Jameer Nelson Jr. Yeah, and he's a very good player. Uh, but, you know, when you look at this Delaware schedule, there's no really team anywhere near Villanova's caliber to kind of measure them against, you know, how they did against this team. The only teams of not- notoriety they really played were Davidson and Iona. Um, Davidson's the very first game of the year in, in November, so that's really hard to judge. They lost by 20 points, so And then Iona... They lost by 11 on the road. Um, it just, at the end of the day, I don't think they have enough uh, on offense to keep up this game outside of Jameer Nelson Jr., and they really don't have enough physicality-wise inside to keep Villanova out of the paint, I think. And uh, I don't know if I would take the 15.5 that Villanova's favoring them by. The over-under is 133.5, but I don't think Villanova's going to let this Delaware team score a ton of points in this game. Yeah, I completely agree. To me, they're gonna they're gonna just gonna absolutely stymie him. Connor Gillespie's gonna put his butt into some guards and back him down the whole way. And Caleb Daniels will probably do the same as well. So I I, I like Nova to win, and I'd probably lay him on on the spread as well. Okay, Casey. So that wraps up the South region. Um. How do you see this region shaking out? Well, I'm looking at some of these Sweet 16 bets, and Loyola Chicago to make the Sweet 16s at plus 440. That's a bet I really like. I would I'd be looking at that as a potentially, you know, favorable wager right there. Um, Tennessee to make the Elite Eight is at plus 154. That's really not the best odds. I'd probably just keep betting Tennessee throughout this this region. Because that's that's really where I'm going with this, Ben, is I, I think Tennessee makes it to the lead eight. And if there was ever a year that Rick Barnes and Tennessee would finally get over the hump, even dating back to their days with Bruce Pearl, and then when they had, you know, Chris Lofton and uh, Wayne Chisholm and Jamar Smith, I mean, they had a great – the Tennessee teams from back then were awesome. Um, but I, I like Tennessee to go to the lead eight. I, if Arizona gets by – Oddly enough, TCU, I think that's really the team that probably matches up best with them in just in terms of pure athletes. If they can get by TCU, I like Arizona to kind of just waltz by to to the uh, Elite Eight, and I, I can easily see Arizona getting to the Final Four and potentially winning it. I mean, they're, they're fifth in adjusted offense and 20th in adjusted defense, and I mean, they just, they just get it done on both ends of the court, and they're, they're a special team to watch. Yeah, Coloco is one of the best defensive players in America. Matherin has been one of the best scorers and all-around players in America. They have the most assists per game 
they really just play incredible team basketball. Credit to Tommy Lloyd in his first season for putting this together. Um, I think you're right. I think I'm more worried about this second round game against TCU or Seton Hall without Kirk Creesa. I think if he comes back for the second weekend, I'm really not worried about a potential Illinois or Houston game or UAB or Chattanooga or whoever. If Kirk Kreese is healthy, I'm, I'm really not worried about that. And if he's healthy for the potential Tennessee or Villanova game, I, I like Arizona in that game, even though Arizona lost at Tennessee earlier this season. They've just really figured it out since then. I mean, that was probably 10 games in the season, if if not less. I, I like Arizona to, to advance to the Final Four. I will say you can get Arizona to go to the Elite Eight at minus 122. I have put two units on that. I don't think that they're going to challenge this Illinois team is probably their biggest threat when they're firing at all cylinders, but man, they're just way too inconsistent. And uh, Arizona has probably been the most consistent team in the country. all And, year. and Ben, it's moved now to minus minus one thirty four, So that just shows where the money's heading. I'll in. still um, take that. I, I agree. I, I'm probably going to take that after we end this call. Okay. Any, anything, so, anything yeah. else in this region that, that, that uh, I, I agree with you. I like Tennessee. I think Tennessee, possibly probably gets to the lead eight i like tennessee more than villanova at this point in the season i think you're spot on with a little chicago i think they actually match up pretty well with villanova like the way that they like to play and win games is the way that villanova will play and they'll, they'll play at their same pace um you know Villan- villanova is really good at executing in the half court though so that'd be an interesting game if we get that game to me this region or so than any of the other three regions it's very matchup dependent. I think, oddly enough, what Villanova does as a team would be a little bit tougher for Arizona just because they like to slow it up so much and they're an extremely disciplined team. They could potentially get Coloco in foul trouble, the center for Arizona. But oddly enough, Tennessee's probably a better matchup against Villanova, and I think they'll take him out if Loyal Chicago doesn't take him out. And maybe Arizona never sees Villanova. So I, I, I and I think I, Arizona would rather play Tennessee because they'll 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 let them get a little more open and, and run in this game. Oh yeah, no that uh, yeah that's that's exactly why I I would say that is that Tennessee you know while while they're a good defensive team and they're very well coached and they they they're not as reckless as some of the faster teams in the SEC. They're still an SEC team, and they're going. They want to get up and down the court and and get in transition, whether it's Kennedy Chandler or Vescovi or you know Fulkerson and uh, God, who's the Serbian that they have that I love? He's uh, good. Pl- he can Pluskovic. Yeah, Pluskovic can rim run and shoot threes. So I'm a big fan of his. But I, I like Arizona to win to win the region, um, and you can get Arizona to win the region at a uh, plus one forty five, which I actually think's good enough value to to make it worth it. I agree, and you could probably always, uh, you could probably always hedge that in the elite eight as well. Yeah, well, we're gonna move on to a rapid fire round. We have a nice eight pack of some rapid fire questions submitted by me, um, just me. It was me and Ben made these rapid fire questions, and these aren't really things that you could bet on. Some of them are, some of them aren't, but it's more of just. Different things that Ben and I like to observe each tournament, and and it, it really helps you identify like when you look back at tournaments. Oh, what what was this tournament about? Right, like whether it was the UMBC run, whether it was that FGCU win, um, CJ McCollum, 
you know, I, I can go on and on or just great final fours. Even last year, the Jalen Suggs shot in, you know, going back to LSU, when LSU made it to the final four, Tyrus Thomas, who just exploded his draft stock or last year, Johnny Juzang and Hami Haquez and, you know, how they really came into to the fold of the national spotlight. So what I have here is eight questions and most of these are kind of grouped together and, and they're related to one another. So the first set of questions in this eight pack I have is which one or two seed do you see losing and getting knocked out first? I think it's Kansas. I, like we talked about earlier, I don't like this potential back-to-back matchups against San Diego state and Iowa. And as much as we talked about Gonzaga having to go through a murderous row as well, those are kind of all defensive laden teams that they have to get through. And if, if they just be patient with their offense, I think they can probably get through at least two of them. I really like the San Diego state team in the second round. I don't think this game is going to be fun at all for Kansas. They're going to have to be incredibly patient with their half court offense. You cannot make bad passes versus this team. And I think Kansas goes out second round against San Diego state. I love it. Um, I also think Kansas is going to lose in the second round to San Diego State. I love the San Diego State team. Take take them in your brackets. Take them in pools. Take them in money lines. This San Diego State team is 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 for real. And Matt Bradley does just enough. So I I'd like to say, you know, San Diego State as well. However. I don't know which game's going to happen first, so I'm going to hedge my bet and say Villanova because I think Villanova probably loses to uh, Loyola Chicago in the second round. But that leads me to my next question, which we didn't even get an answer in this question. Which 15 or 16 seed do you see potentially winning a game? I like Jacksonville State. I I, that, think, I, I, I like Jacksonville State. I think pretty obviously be here. I think pretty obviously out of all the 15 and 16 seeds, they have the most talent. But it's not just that. It's just Auburn's inconsistency the last six weeks. I just don't like it. I, I don't know. I feel like they may have the tendency to not show up immediately in this game. And the Jacksonville State team is really dangerous. Yeah, the likelihood, like if you were like gun to your head, which one of these one or two seeds could lose in the first round, I would say Auburn. However, I think Auburn, once they win that first game, it's going to kind of, you know, get them rolling and, and they will get some momentum going because I think I think the next round is actually a really favorable matchup, whether they play USC or Miami for them. That's really going to be favorable for them. So I'm going to say I'm going to say Jacksonville State over Auburn would be my 15 seed. Um I don't like any of the 16s. I, I just, I don't, I'm I don't sorry. And the only one I like to really hang in is, is Norfolk. But yeah, I think Norfolk I can hang in. and come anywhere close to winning the game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I, I might I might have a blog about it, about 16-1 games coming out soon, Ben, because I know UMBC won that game, but DeAndre Hunter was hurt, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. They still won the game, but... I don't think a 16 I don't think a true 16 seed will ever really win in game unless there's some sort of external factor like an injury happening. On to the second set of questions we have, which team will capture America's heart? I have two in mind, but I think um, already kind of 
Jordan Walker and this UAB team has kind of caught some national notoriety the way he scores the basketball. And I don't hate these matchups that they have. I, I don't hate the matchup they have against Houston nor a potential matchup against Illinois. And I really think that they might be able to make a run. Uh, they have some animated guys in their team led by Jordan Walker. They have a coach that everyone knows in Andy Kennedy. I I think this could be a team that um, makes some headlines. So I'm actually going to go with the Davidson Wildcats. And the reason is, number one, Foster Lawyer. I think Foster Lawyer going against his former team, potentially getting that win would be massive. But also, they have Hing Jong Lee. And, you know, he's going to he's gonna bring in the Korean as well as the rest of the Asian demographic who are watching the tournament. And, and they're going to have pride over him. And, and really just pride of the fact that he's probably going to be the first Korean-born player to to get drafted and, and play in the NBA potentially. And then you can't leave out Luka Brjogovic, um, the, the A-10 player of the year, the, the 6'10". Uh, I believe he's from Serbia, I want to say. I believe so. I mean, he's actually from Austria, I believe. So, okay. so 6'10 guy from Austria, and he's – you know, I mean, he's he's the real deal. So I, I think I think those three guys are going to be the fa- potentially the faces of America. You have Bob McCaleb, and also Ben. If they beat Duke, I mean, oh, they're going to be everyone's favorite team. I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that if they if they because I believe that's in Greenville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? it is, which is just completely unfair for Duke, but whatever. Yeah, screw Duke. Yeah, it is pretty funny that that it's in Greenville because. You know, yes, Duke will be able to travel well, but it's going to be a lot of Davidson um, home court advantage. And then in terms of eight seed for the final four, eight seed or later team to go to the final four. um, I love Davidson, but they're going to have to cross Texas Tech. I don't see that happening. I love. I love. um, This this TCU team, but I don't, I don't really see that one happening. The one I would probably put my bunny on eight seed or later to go to the final four would be San Diego state. I just, I just love the San Diego state team. They, they do everything well enough and they are going to be able to take out the one seed early enough. And when they, if they get matched up with, Auburn, I don't think they're scared of Auburn either. And I don't really think they're scared of Iowa or Providence. So I I, I like San Diego State to potentially make it all the way. And you can get San Diego State to make it to the final four at, let's see here. You can get them and the final four at plus 2,500. That is fantastic odds, and I, I think it's worth putting a 0.25 units on or, or a 0.5 unit on. Yeah, the only other team I would mention would probably be UNC just because they do have the potential to just shoot the lights out in any game. And, um, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I think they play Baylor second round, who's not going to have LJ Cryer for the first weekend. So uh, I think that would be the only other team I would mention. I would say 
Murray State as a seven would be another team potentially I I you know wouldn't throw in there, but just because of the criteria, you know, obviously they're not they're not suited. And I think them going against Purdue would be a little bit tough for them overall. Um, just just because of the size inside of, of Purdue, just because of their strengths line up with exactly good yeah. matchups for Purdue. Yeah, they, they they definitely do. Um, no no Rutgers love for you, Mister Rutgers. Um, I like I don't hate their first round matchup against Alabama, but then they're gonna have to run into the Texas Tech. So, I mean, I think everyone knows how I feel about this Texas Tech team. They're no nonsense. Yeah, they're they are. Definitely no nonsense. You can say that again. Well, moving on to our third set of questions, we have the classic Final Four and champion. Who's Who do you got in your Final Four? I have Texas Tech, Kentucky, Arizona, and Iowa. As Arizona and Kentucky in the championship game and, and uh, Tommy Lloyd cutting down the nets in his first season as the head coach in Tucson. See, this is why this is why sometimes I, I hate that I do a podcast with you because we just we're we're too similar. I also have Texas Tech and Kentucky coming out of those regions, and I also have Arizona, um, with the only possibility being Tennessee. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna ride with Auburn. I, I don't feel good about it at all. The reason I'm gonna ride with Auburn is that I, I just. At some point, someone has to watch Jabari Smith play basketball and say, we should really give him the ball in crunch time. And I, I think it, I think it's going to happen. I really do. And they're going to make it to the Final Four and then lose to Arizona. But my winner, I was in the building in 2012 when Kentucky cut down the nets, and I'm going to be there again in 2022 give me the cats to win it all and i think it's gonna be a very similar performance to 2012 where they're gonna rely on the big men inside oscar shweebway is gonna be the difference maker and i think he's gonna propel them over texas tech in that final four matchup and if we get arizona kentucky i'm not gonna be mad at all and i'm really not gonna be mad if we get gonzaga kentucky in the you know in in that final four matchup as well which kind of segues me into my next question, Ben. Looking at the bracket as a whole, you know, it's a it's a it's a static bracket, which means it doesn't reset after each round like the NFL, and and we can pretty much predict the matchups by just looking at the bracket as a whole. What what's maybe one or two matchups in in the later rounds that are potential that that you would love to see? Uh, I have two. My first one is this UConn Arkansas game. I really think this has the potential to be an all timer. Two coaches uh, who are at the top of their game right now. I think they love their rosters. They both have wings and guards that are long and athletic and play great defense and can make shots. And um, I I just think it's going to be a great game. I think the matchups are incredible on both sides of the floor. And uh, we should get this matchup as long as UConn and Arkansas don't get upset in the first round. The other one would be a, a potential sweet six or a potential elite eight game in the East region would be Kentucky and Purdue. How do you not want to see Tashibwe play against Edie and uh, uh, Trevion Williams? I think that would be really fun. You know, a Purdue team who's mostly offense against Kentucky team who's been very good defensively. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. 
I also have Purdue, Kentucky on mine, but the one I'm most looking forward to in, in the Sweet 16, um, if Davidson doesn't upset Duke, which I think they might, is Texas Tech running Duke off the court and Coach K just being in disbelief as his team loses 81 to 63 to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And he's going to. He's going to talk to someone after the game. I don't know which Texas Tech player it's going to be, but he's definitely going to talk to a Texas Tech player and tell them why they're wrong for celebrating on his big night. So I'm really looking forward to that game. In terms of a second-round game that I'm looking forward to, it's it's got to be Kansas-San Diego State. I'm just really interested to see how those two contrasting styles are going to match up. And then I'm going to throw one last game out at you, and it's going to be Gonzaga, Texas Tech, because that that's just going to be a fun basketball game. And if those two teams get matched up, which I think they will, it's going to be a hell of a game. And it's going to be really contrasting styles in terms of how Texas Tech just wants to get up and run and, and play, you know, turnover centric defense, as well as whereas Gonzaga is going to go more inside with Timmy and Chet. Chet Holmgren with their high-low game. Last question I have is player that comes out of nowhere. I mentioned Tyrus Thomas as an example of a player who plays himself into the draft lottery and plays himself into life-changing money. And then I listed Hami Haquez or um, even I believe it was Sherwood Brown, the guy for FGCU who really captured yep. my, my heart that one year or, you know, Cam Crutwick. Um, you know, so, so maybe one or two guys that, you think are really going to make a name for themselves this tournament? I mean, we've talked about him in nauseam, but I, I really think that Hung Jung Lee could make himself a draftable player as early this season if he has a great tournament. His his body of work is just really good. He's got the NBA frame. He's got the NBA size and the shooting. I like him a lot. The other one I would say would be the lead guard for San Francisco Dons. I don't know if America's been paying attention to him, but he's been excellent this season. Jamari Bouye. Uh, they're going to really need him in this first-round matchup. Uh, their starting center, his name is – I don't want to mess up the pronunciation of his name. His name is Yahoon Masalski, who is first-team all-West Coast Conference. He will be out of this first-round matchup against Murray State. So they're really going to lean on Bouye and Spaz for the scoring. And um, if they get by this first game, I think Bouye has a big night and could potentially – keep it uh going in the rest of the tournament so I, I like those two guys okay well i like kentucky i just picked them to win the tournament i mean i i, I like them a lot however skip bayless if they didn't win the tournament it's not going to be because of purdue and it's not going to be because of baylor and it might not even be because of texas tech or gonzaga it's going to be because of their other team in kentucky the murray state racers and the guy I'm really looking at who's going to propel himself into serious draft potential in maybe an early second round, uh, late first round, is K.J. Williams of Murray State. And if this Murray State team is to beat Kentucky, someone's going to neutralize Oscar Schwebway inside. And I'm looking at K.J. Williams as potential guy who can do that. 6'10", 250 from Mississippi. He's played four years of college ball now. Uh, he's he doesn't have fear. He fears no man. He's the leader of this Murray State team. As much as I talk about Tevin Brown and and Justice Hill, um, he's he's the guy. And I, I could really see Murray State winning this game. And 
there's no one in the country that Murray State can't beat, to be honest with you. So I like KJ Williams to, to capture everyone's heart and and really propel himself in the draft as well as making a name for himself in the tournament. Well, that's it. You know, we've we've now previewed the tournament. There's nothing else for us to do besides sit back, um, deposit some money into your gambling account, and and just unload. Um, you know, get your brackets finalized after listening to this episode, as well as getting your pools finalized. You can have details for the on the line NCA pool at on the line on Twitter NCA, as well as on the podcast. We we broke it down on the last episode, and that's on the line in college basketball podcast on any Spotify or podcast platforms. As always, like subscribe rate five stars and share that's really the best way to to you know keep keep us going and and really help us improve and and keep finding great feedback and and great listener interaction as well so that's all i got ben happy march we made it my friend i'm so excited yeah the next two days are always my favorite days of the year so everyone sit back and enjoy and uh we'll see you on the other side we'll see you uh next week to talk about it all yeah don't be afraid to call in sick to your boss tomorrow All right. Have a good one. See you.